Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording Above the Butcher Shop, first episode of 2019 with my man Derek Marceau, Valley Farm Market. <coughs> Getting a little bit of a cough. That's a tough way to start 2019. You know, it's actually been um, quite eventful for the last five days. I went to the hospital and uh, had <clears throat> fluid in my lungs. So been working, uh, trying to get better at a 104 and 105 degree temperature. Um, but talked to the doctor, let me go yesterday and they said, I'm not contagious. So uh, I'm just kind of weak right now, but I'm, I'm good to go. I'll do my best to get through this, uh, this episode. Well, you're a trooper to, uh, actually come out here to record this episode today. Uh, those people that have been following along with the podcast, we truly appreciate it. We did our best of episode. Brian and Corey worked really hard to put together <coughs> We had an incredible year, um, so much feedback from people through DMs on Instagram, through emails, through the website. Um, we're just so thankful for you for listening to this podcast. Um, it's been a hell of a ride. We've learned so much from our guests, and it's given us an opportunity to uh, learn, and that's really what it's all about, right? Yeah, it, it allows us to take a look at ourselves as well. I think a lot of times self-reflection is one of the biggest things for growth, um, being able to you know, listen to other people, see what they're doing. Um, one of the things that I'm really focused on in 2019 is not getting swayed any direction, is really being true to who I am and trusting who I am. Because I, I feel that a lot of times people will say, oh, hey, this is a really good thing. You should do this. And it's like, okay, there, there might be some elements of that that are good, but it doesn't work for me. Um, it's not always right or wrong. It's just who you are and what, what works. So that's what, um, you know, I think – you know, looking back at 2018, um, seeing the the people that we had and being able to take certain things from them and aspects and, and growing, um, I want to really implement those in 2019. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see how far this podcast goes and then, uh, you know, have on some more great guests like what we have today. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, like I said, we're, we're beyond humbled that anybody listens to the podcast and, you know, that the guests take their time to come and share their stories, all the struggles, all the things that you you, you would hope you would learn in business school, but really you don't. You know, it, it takes opening opening a business and learning about the stuff that isn't in any textbook or no professor is going to tell you. Um, and people that are willing to share with that, we've learned a lot. And, you know, the feedback that we get from the listeners, um, it's inspiring. And uh, that's why we're honored to have our guest here today. Derek, why don't you... Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's great. You know, I, I got into the beer industry a long time ago. I was, I was really fortunate to, um, have some people that, uh, you know, took a liking to beer as much as I did. And one of my really good friends, um, his name was Sean and he was starting to become a firefighter and he worked at San Miguel fire department. And there was this guy, Pat McElhaney, who was like the king of beer at Alpine beer company and him and his son, Sean grew this beer company into something that's just so amazing. And I've been so fortunate to know them for such a long time. So Sean McElhaney, thank you so much for coming, um, you know, coming to our uh, little shop and then, you know, shooting the shit. And I said last time, um, in our last, uh, you know, show that that's how I like to have our shows. When the guy brought out some champagne and we drank <laughs> and, and yeah. look at Sean came look at bearing that. gifts. He's got uh, tight lines, which is a 5.5 ABV, uh, pale ale, pale ale. Um, <clears throat> 79 to Alpine, which is a 7.5 IPA. IPA. And uh, Odin Draven, I'd imagine, yep. <laughs> had a 11%. great 11%. So, But thank you so much for coming and, and, and 
bringing gifts. Humbled to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so talk to us, man. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I kind of know the story. Um, been with you guys for a long time and I've uh, been fortunate to, to do a beer with you guys uh, for our Valley Farm 60th anniversary, which was real cool and we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but kind of tell me how, how did it all got, you know, started? I know your dad was, was doing it and were you there at the very beginning? How did it all work? Uh, God, he started homebrewing way back early 80s, maybe 84, 85, somewhere around there, all while being a firefighter, um, actually right down the road at San Miguel. Yeah. So uh, I had a lot of experience coming here. Uh, when the guys got hungry, <coughs> they'd all come and get their food here. Right. You know, uh, really close, really, uh, really good quality stuff. And um, from there, uh, he, he pursued it with the intention of opening a brewery, uh, knowing that, you know, firefighting wasn't his lifelong gig. Sure. Uh, so uh, started home brewing, uh, took every uh, educational class he could get his hands on, uh, went to UC Davis, uh, took their uh, intensive brewing classes. Um, while uh, being a firefighter. While, while being a firefighter. So, which so is, you guys know we tease our friends, but our friends who are firefighters, they have six days and four days. So they're off. Half of the month. I mean, they work twenty-four hour shifts. Most firefighters have, have, have another job. Yeah, and a lot of the guys have other jobs. So keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with that, uh, God, I studied every textbook that he kept from UC Davis and, and apprenticed with him at the brewery. Uh, he got the opportunity to start brewing his beer uh, by volunteering his time at Alesmith. Uh, back With before Peter. Peter Zian owned it, it was actually oh, Skipper Gilio. Okay. Uh, it was actually opening uh, Gravity Heights here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, up in the Miramar area. Um, and got to the point, you know, he was volunteering so much of his time, making a lot of the beers. Skip said, hey, you know what? I see what you're doing. You're doing a good job. If you want to do Alpine beer, you can have this fermenter and you can have this space in the cold box. Do your thing. Wow. So from about 99 to 2001, he was making Alpine beer at the old original Alesmith facility, which has now become McKellar, uh, San Diego. Yeah. Um, from there, he uh, <clears throat> managed to acquire some equipment. Uh, former brewery downtown San Diego, Hang Ten Brewing, which uh, saw the likes of uh, brewmaster Paul Segura, Chuck Silva. <laughs> uh, a lot of people had experience on that brew house. Right. Uh, Hang Ten closed up. Dad put an offer on the equipment. Got it. Put it in storage for a little bit. Found a spot in Alpine and... Away we went. 2002, summertime, I believe, is when we opened, and we never looked back. So for those of you that don't know San Diego and Alpine, give us a little bit um, idea of geographically where Alpine's located and why you chose that location. So it's about 30 miles directly east of downtown San Diego. Uh, on a good day, you can get from downtown to Alpine in about 35, 40 minutes or so. If you don't hit any traffic, good luck with that. <clears throat> Seems like it's getting worse and worse every day. Absolutely. Um, small town, uh, not a whole lot going on. It's not really a destination spot unless you're a beer head. Um, and then you're coming for the beer. Yeah. <laughs> or filling up on gas and heading out to Arizona. So when you guys chose that location, did you think that, I mean, obviously you always dream of having that beer heads coming out there. Right. But, you know, when was, when was that come to fruition, I guess, you know, because for us opening in Spring Valley, a barbecue restaurant, we always had a dream of having people all over the county coming, but you have to focus on local, you know, you got to take care of your village Absolutely. and you got to get people to come in the doors to keep your business open. When, so did, that was you, when did you think that like kind of took the, the scales tipped? It was a couple years. So early 2002, um, the intention was to provide beer for the community of Alpine. 
not a lot of people in Alpine were really hip to the scene. Um, right. You know, commuting to work outside of Alpine, it wasn't that, that's not where they were working. So, you know, it was a commuting town. You got a lot of, uh, you know, cheap beer drinkers. Right. Uh, people that just wanted, you know, something that was cold and wet mm-hmm. and <clears throat> beer flavored. Uh, my dad wanted more than that. Yeah, know? we would see it all the time for, for you know, because we were so ingrained in the beer scene down here and mm. that you guys really wanted to serve that community. And, you know, I would reach out and say, hey, guys, we'd love to carry your beer. And you're like, well, yeah, everyone would, but we're really trying to take care of just our community <laughs> and only give it to these guys. And it's like, yeah. you know, you're sitting like, man. So we'd go up there and I'd just buy it for myself. I'd buy a, a 12 bottles. And when was it. this? God, about what year? 05, 06, 07, really? yeah. Right when you came back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we would, I would just buy it for myself and, you know, I'd have it in the cooler and everyone's like, hey, you know, let's go have a beer. And I'm like, hey, I got these beers and I'd come over and we'd just drink some That's Alpine awesome. beer. And, you know, it was the, the, some of the best beer ever. And, um, it was just different. And what I had always see is just that they were just true to who they were. They, they didn't sway. They, like what I was talking about earlier, it was just, it's what they liked. Here it is. Here's a beer that we like that we think's good and drink it. They weren't trying to go to a trend. They weren't trying to go to anything else. They were just saying, here's good beer that we think's good. And, and I think you guys nailed it. And I think people were driven to that authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, when people were like, okay, that's, you know, that that's cool because they're just drawn to someone being true to who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we always did. We'd go up there and we'd have the captain stout and we'd have the Nelson. We'd have all, all the, the good stuff, the pursuit, um, pure happiness. Um, and it was just, it was great. And it was, it was cool to see a mom and pop shop just, uh, have this global recognition. You would talk to people on the East coast. You know, I did a lot of beer trading and, um, I'm sure the stuff that online, right? Yeah. Well, no, it was just like, you know, you, you'd find a group of people that you were close with and Mm -hmm. say, Hey, send me couple bottles of this i'll send you a couple bottles of this and I, I was never big where i'd get you know cases and cases it was just ones onesies and twosies um but everyone was like dude check How it do out you get that alpine alpine <laughs> alpine just dropped this yeah. can you get it and i'm like and i'm sure i can like, you know let's is that see. like the beginning of the craft beer movement like yeah, i mean like man, the real like the pop like oh when yeah it really popped in san diego absolutely, absolutely. like absolutely. when you became head brewer you became head brewer in 2008 i was about 2006 or so well yeah 2008 2008 we'll say that yeah okay. 2006 that was the first time i brewed a, a batch of beer by myself uh-huh. my own recipe uh once i did that how was no it no looking back it was bad boy double ipa okay uh, made it for the pizza port strong ale festival okay. and it was the first keg to kick at the festival so i think people liked it nice. yeah right that's <laughs> right. Said it's pretty good yeah uh, for a nine percent double IPA, uh, uh, you can't taste any of the alcohol. Uh, you get all the hop character with a uh, little to no bitterness. It's just way too easy to drink. Uh, when did you know beer, beer, the business of beer was your thing? After brewing that first batch, yeah, yeah. Before then, it was uh, you know I, I thought I was going to be a professional snowboarder. Yeah, <laughs> tried it out. I moved up to Mammoth for a winter. Picked a good winter to move up there, but <laughs> I made the mistake of becoming a lift operator. And uh-huh. I wasn't able to ride every day and get the practice I needed. And yeah. It turns out I'm just not that good. Right. I, I like to go and have a good time, but sure. um, you know, beer is where my passion is. That's awesome. Yeah. So you you went from being that head brewer and making all these and then going, I mean, you guys won, you know, tons of, of awards and then, you know, getting into it, then you kind of get a bigger little restaurant, right? Yep. And talk to us about that. I mean, I know me personally, I have a hard time um, 
doing things where I'm where there's a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. So was that scary for you guys to kind of like you know venture out into something? You're like, holy shit, man! Like let's... food was never our intention. You know, right, that, that wasn't our, our our goal setting out. Uh, but you got to soak up some of the suds, right? We needed a way to keep people at our establishment. Okay, and no better way to do that than offering food. Right, and we didn't want to go the same route as everybody else. You know, looking for the lowest pro- or highest profit margin, lowest overhead. Go with the pizzas and all that. It, it, it works, and it works really well if you do it right. But we want to do barbecue food. Yeah. And it, it worked, you know, the, the beers, the food just go hand in hand. And it, it really it allowed us to keep people what in year, their What year was that? 2009. 2009. What was the, what was the first uh, national award that you won? Uh, that was something that my dad probably did. And I, I want to say it was for the Mandarin Nectar, the Orange Blossom Honey Ale, uh, at the Great American Beer Festival. Um, from there, I think the McElhenney's Irish Red. Um, but these are all recipes that he developed over the course of his homebrewing career, and uh, with the intent of making them staples, making them available all the time, uh, not just having run-of-the-mill beers, but unique, uh, flavorful, really high-quality beers uh, that kept the consumers interested in the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so Irish Red, uh, is back as early as probably 2004. Uh, before then, he was winning awards at homebrew competitions. Okay. Uh, and that's where he was getting a lot of his feedback um, and using that just to perfect the recipes and go forward with that. How is he enjoying his retirement? Eh, it's... <laughs> He had a little spill on his bicycle recently. Oh, so, uh, no. yeah. He laid it down. Oh, yeah. Poor yeah. guy. Uh, no fault of his own. Um, it, kind of a shitty situation, but uh, he's recovering uh, slowly but surely. Um, you know, messed up his left hand real good. Of course, he's left-handed. So. Right. Not riding the bike as much as he'd like to. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's easing into retirement. Does he uh, bug you like my dad bugs me? No, no, <laughs> no. He stays away. He he's been pretty hands off yeah. uh, for for a while, uh, and I I kind of I kind of think that's because I haven't fucked anything up, right? right? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, yeah. and, right. and, and you know, uh, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment, right? <laughs> no, he's my, been kind of hands off. My dad's actually been been great as well. He uh, I I got him back on on Wednesdays, and he comes in here, and he just lights mm-hmm. up when he's back with the the customers and stuff, and um, you know, he's just. It's in great. It's who he is, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure your dad, uh, you know, will come and, and help you at some point to to do right. those things because it's you know it's cool. And I think the the customers like to see it too. You know, Absolutely, the, the old old school people doing doing that. But um, yeah. so we just opened up a uh, the tight lines, tight lines, and uh, I just had this, and this is amazing. It's a five point five. And talk to me about why you made this. Uh, so we did it uh, to promote our Alpine beer fishing team. Uh, a bunch of the employees that we got up in Alpine are avid fishermen. And I wanted something to offer them that, uh, you know, isn't the run of the mill, Coors Light, whatever, but kind of lower ABV, high hop character with low bitterness. Uh, something that we would love to see in a can to offer all the fishermen around San Diego. Right. You know, you know, it's a... a it, it's a huge hobby here in San Diego. It's a it's a lifestyle in itself. Absolutely. And uh, I just wanted to provide them something a little different than uh, 
what they've been offered for the last couple of years. No, it's great. It's amazing. And that that's cool because you're you're really focusing on the community again. Yeah. And, and you're saying, okay, this is something that I feel is a need and necessity for you guys and mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to make you the, the best beer we can. It's something definitely I'll be drinking when I'm when I'm fishing. That's uh hey, that's, I appreciate it. <clears throat> that's great. Um and you talked about, you know, fishing kind of being something that's in Southern California. It's big. Huge. You know, I know Scott um, Bobby, when Bobby was with you guys, um, you know, those are two guys that I know fish a lot. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know Bobby's still out in Idaho, probably fishing right now as we, as we speak, but fishing or hunting. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Um, so when is this going to be available? What's our, right now it's available on draft. Um, we're looking at a mid year can release. Okay. Um, so we'll probably do a limited run of cans. It'll be 16 ounce. Probably selling four packs. Uh, I think we're looking somewhere around June. Oh, nice. And this will give us an opportunity to uh, have a package product to take to all the charter boats out in the marinas uh, from here to L.A. And, you know, just kind of promote the product, see how they like it, and go from there. What's your thought on the future for Alpine? I mean, you guys have done such amazing things. I mean, would you say Nelson's probably one of your most popular beers right. out there yeah and then um, with, the, with the nelson hop all the stuff that's happened with that i mean it's been a kind of a nightmare for the beer industry right yeah uh just acquiring the hops themselves it's uh you know they're not not a lot of acreage is dedicated to the nelson hop uh, uh the hop growers in new zealand are you know trying the other varieties out and seeing how they're doing um but there's just something unique about the nelson hop and you know we just want to get as much as we can right um, my dad actually discovered the hop uh on his 25th wedding anniversary so my folks took off went to new zealand for almost a month and while driving through the countryside enjoying themselves noticed on the side of the road hey those are fucking hops what the <laughs> really? fuck where what who hold on a second all right who's who's growing these things where do we get them what's up uh struck up a relationship with the owner of new zealand hops limited uh the guy just loves loved my dad's enthusiasm and said you know what like your style, like your attitude, uh, whatever you want. Sky's so where, the limit. Where were they going before then? Mostly Just, New Zealand. Really? Yeah. Um, and so we were one of the first breweries in the U.S. to actually import the New Zealand hops. Uh, not just Nelson Sauvin, but Southern Cross, uh, Matuika, a uh, few other varieties. And um, yeah, he made a fucking awesome recipe and... You know, the rest is history. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, maybe one of the first hazy IPAs uh, on the market. Right. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I really think it's from the uh, the hop aroma compounds in the hops that actually uh, don't drop out of suspension. So it wasn't the grain. It wasn't the malt. It was, uh, it was actually the hops that made the beer hazy. Were you surprised when you had it the first time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was early, uh, early on enough that, uh, you know, Hoppy beers were still kind of, uh, uh, I, I was still getting into them. Sure. Right. Well, it's uh, an acquired taste. People don't understand that the reason things are bitter is to deter you from consuming them, right? It's right. like, a, it's why the they made it so the animals don't eat it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> here we are trying to put it into a drink. So right. um, it's definitely an acquired taste. And um, But Nelson, I mean, it's just been the staple of, you know, one of the best IPAs in the world. Yeah. Um, so... You guys made it again recently? Yes. And yeah. what's the thought on that? How, how long are we going to be able to have that for? Uh, so it's going to be seasonal. It's going to be going away here for a few months, but uh, probably second to third quarter. So later in the year, we're probably going to be offering it in 12-ounce cans. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
So that's actually be, really cool. It's going to be part of our new Alpine can lineup. Uh, we're doing away with the wheat beer and the pale ale. Uh, and we're going to be offering a strong pale ale in Pitcher Perfect, uh, an IPA, HFS. Uh, name is open to interpretation. <laughs> you know, we, Holy we like fucking say, shit. Holy fucking shit. Say it loud, say it proud, yell right. from the mountaintops. You know. I just had it the other day at, at Hooli's. Yeah. They had it on. Yep. And I was like, oh, man, they have HFS. Yeah. Take that. There right. you go. Perfect. Yep. So pardon my ignorance, but I know there's a lot of people that might be listening in different parts of the world that might not know about the Alpine and Green Flash story. Would right. you be okay kind of going into that and how that came to be and where it is now? So we were in a position where we couldn't make enough beer and we needed to reach a wider audience. Uh, and we tried to take on investors to build our own production facility in Alpine. Uh, we didn't reach our goal uh, financially. And How much were you guys trying to raise? Uh, upwards of a million. Okay. Right? And that was for construction uh, and equipment, which, you know. Nowadays, that's not that much money. Yeah. Right. Uh, back then, it was kind of a, you know, wasn't just a drop in the bucket like it is now. Um, so we actually started contract brewing with Green Flash. So from 2012 to 2014, we were contract brewing. They were brewing Nelson, Duet, and Hoppy Birthday for us because we had contracts for those hops uh, to make in abundance. We just didn't have the equipment to produce that much. Um, 2014... Uh, the owner of Green Flash had this brilliant idea. Why don't we purchase Alpine? Solve all your problems. We'll start making all your beers in abundance. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. It's been a, a interesting ride. But here we are. And things are getting better every day. So Yeah. Yeah, things okay. are things are growing great. You know, we, we see the um, transformation. You guys are making a, a lot of beer up in Alpine again. And that, that's yes. what we want. You know, yeah. that's what everyone like. I want to make sure that Scott and Sean are making the beer. Yeah, that, that, you know, to be honest, it's it's that's that's the beer I want. That's that's the stuff. That's the juice. And yep. what do you? What keeps you going? Like, what what do you want to do next? What's you know, is there a style of beer? Do you want to just keep putting out what you're putting out? What what are your uh, ambitions with with Alpine Beer Company? Really happy with what we're producing now, but I've always had this idea. I, I don't want to stop brewing beer until I brewed every style. Okay. Um, uh, I really like what uh, Jeff Bagby had to say uh, in a recent publication. Innovation through tradition, right? Let's do the things we know how, how to do well and just execute as well as we can and provide the public with the best product we can possibly put out. Right. And... <clears throat> I'm into that. Uh, we're going to see a resurgence of uh, loggers here in the near future. Uh, they're coming back around. That's what people want, which is not an uh, easy style to brew. Um, Bottom fermented know. beer, man. That's uh, and it takes a lot longer too. Oh yeah. Uh, so you got to have the right equipment and you got to have the right water profile. You have to have excellent recipe formulation. All that taken into account. Not anybody can do it. Whereas uh, you know some of these uh, Truby Chaser hazy IPAs. I'm sorry, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist <laughs> to figure out how to make these beers. Right. You know? Can you talk a little bit more about the water? I mean, one of the coolest trips I ever went on was to Lynchburg, <laughs> Tennessee. And, mm -hmm. you know, the whole tour was based upon the creek, you yeah. know, the creek where the water, where they get the distilling process for yeah. Jack Daniels. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the brewing process and why water is so important. So we have a unique water source. Um, won't go too far <laughs> into it, but uh, uh, we're, we're not uh, we're, we're not pulling from the same 
You're not coming from Colorado? (laughs) Right. Uh, Now, we do have access to the Colorado River water, uh, but we use that for cleaning, not for brewing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the shittiest water of all time. And it fluctuates so much. It's really hard to dial in your water profile at that point. The parts per million. It's hard hard enough to clean the dishes at our restaurant. (laughs) Uh, so our water is uh, a, a little bit hard. Uh, it's got a, a decent amount of mineral content in it, uh, which lends itself perfectly to the hoppier styles. But it's also pretty good for uh, you know darker beers, which we've seen. Um, God, we've got uh, Odin's Raven, our Imperial Stout has won a bronze medal at the World Beer Cup in the chocolate beer category. Uh, an Imperial Porter I made a while back uh, actually took a bronze at the World Beer Cup in the Baltic Porter category. Uh, before they actually had the Imperial Porter category. So Baltic is just like another term for Imperial? Uh, So colder fermented, um, pardon me, lager, yeast, higher temperature fermentation. Okay. Right, for the Baltic Porter. And usually uh, upwards of 8, 8, 9%. So this guy came in at 8.5%. Haven't made that beer in a while. Probably be brew that again. It's about on time, it. right? Yeah. Cold weather. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the the water is uh, unique into the building, and so we really want to stay where we're at. Right. Keep using that source. Keep making the beers that we're making. And uh, how do you personally keep up with the trends? <sighs> or do, how, do you, how do you personally I mean, not keep up with the trends? Correct. You know, yeah, you know, absolutely. What, is it something that you're just, you know, I've like, always considered our our brewery in particular to be more of trend trend setting uh-huh. rather than trend following, mm-hmm. and so. You know, we, we just try to keep making beers that are going to be interesting to, to the consumer, interesting to us. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to enjoy this product, too. Right. And we hope that if we like it, that everybody else is going to follow suit and like it as well. So that's any- really, really honestly what I'm truly focusing on, like for 2019 right is just trusting myself yeah like i know i'm good i know what i do is i know how hard i work at doing certain things and i don't need to now look if i i'm very self-aware to when i make something bad i'm like holy shit right do not eat that that is not good but you know i I, I usually know when when i'm when i'm nailing something And like you said, kind of being a trend starter, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to follow anything. I just, this is what I think's good. And my palate thinks it's well. And, you know, I'm fortunate that a lot of people trust my palate and they usually like it as well. Right. So. Yeah. We're in the same boat. What kind of continuing education, you know, maybe not so much on trend or brewmasters that you respect or industry icons, you know, like you mentioned before. Right. Oh, um, Are there any podcasts or publications that you respect? Uh, I mean, all about brewing, Zymer G magazine, uh, a lot of the beer publications, uh, we'll, we'll see what's trending and what's happening around the rest of the U S and see where, where everybody's tastes are going, uh, which kind of, it's like a cycle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, back in the early eighties, the fruit beers were all the rage. Uh, and then the late eighties, early nineties, nobody wanted fruit in their beer whatsoever. Mm-hmm. All they wanted was clear light lagers. Uh, and then late nineties, early two thousands, everybody was in a race to, uh, make the most bitter hoppy big beer that they could produce. And we kind of took that uh, in stride and said, yeah, hops are cool, but they're not all about the bitterness. You right. know, you can have a great hoppy beer, uh, with all the hop character you want with, little to no bitterness right. and the bitterness is what's really detracting to people uh you know taking that second sip or getting that second pint at a bar or, 
you know, getting a growler or a bottle at your local liquor store, or grocery mm-hmm. store, or whatever. You know, you don't need to be beat over the head with hops. That's they can be there as an accentuator, but they don't need to be. But the bitterness doesn't need to be the main focus of the beer, which is something that my dad has always instilled in us. Um, you know, pure hoppiness being one of the first double IPAs on the market, right behind uh, Pliny the Elder. Um, long time ago, there wasn't a lot of beers like that on the market. Um, <clears throat> and so we just tried to, you know, stick to what we know, make good beer, try to keep the consumer happy. Uh, we don't need to win all the awards in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our awards are uh, customers coming back day in, day out. Yeah. Supporting us. Absolutely. Can you tell us about the collaboration with Valley Farm and kind of how that came to be? I think Bobby helped facilitate setting that all up. Um, um, I think, yeah, Bobby did. Right. Um, kind of put us in touch about the beer. It was just mm-hmm. for us. God, this is three years ago now. Yeah. Um, it was our 60th anniversary and it was something big for us and, mm-hmm. you know, who else, but the best to, to have make a beer for you. So I just said, Hey, you know, I knew, knew them. And like, is this something that you guys, guys would be interested in, you know, collabing and doing a, a beer. And, um, they approached it with open arms and said they'd be honored and man, humbled. it was, uh, just an amazing experience. Got to go up there and um, with the guys and, uh, you know, do our 60th year anniversary IPA. And we did it and it sold out a it was few incredible. hours. It was incredible. In a few hours, um, thousand bottles or yeah. something. And it was, uh, it was amazing. It was nice absolutely party amazing. in the parking lot. We did. Yeah. yeah. Had a cool good. party. And um, I think everyone was happy. And the, the juice inside of it was just exceptional I, I just absolutely loved the profile of that beer and and everything that came along with it so it was uh it was cool to see i think everyone really was excited about it mm-hmm. the consumers that were that loved alpine that love valley farm and they can get you know this that's kind of a you know its own little release um that you couldn't get anywhere else, and I think everyone really enjoyed it. Man, it was it was great, great for me. I mean, shit, I was <laughs> I was ecstatic on it. Well, I think it was like <laughs> I think it was cool for me as an outsider just to watch how much your customers that have been coming to Valley Farm for generations really appreciated the fact that you guys were partnering with a local business and right. that you could do something together to celebrate something that was a 60th anniversary. And how many businesses in San Diego or in the world stay in business for 60 years? And then, you know, both family businesses, you know, and you guys, I know Derek's very particular with who he works with and it's got to feel right. And, Mm -hmm. um, you guys knocked it out of the park. It was something that was really, really cool to see. Yep. It was a really fun beer to brew. It was a really, really, pardon me, awesome recipe. Uh, looking forward to the opportunity to do it again. Yeah. Not the same thing, maybe something very similar. Yep. Um, Hopefully that will be, uh, something coming soon and we'll, we'll work on that and we will keep you guys updated if it does come to fruition. Um, but you know, there'll be some research and development to make sure that the recipe is just right. We like it. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's a trip and it's cool that it's opening up people's minds to, to see that, you know, you can collab and you can do things and it's not me against you. It's not like we can all work together Yeah, and it's something that we focus on a lot here. And, uh, you know, with the community, it's, 
you know, we, we, we beat this, this term to death, but it's a rising tide lifts all ships. So if everyone can work together and do well, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, uh, just an amazing what and like-minded people, like you said, you, you, we, we think very similar, like it's whether we're doing it here at Valley farm for the recipes that we do for our, our food, or mm-hmm. it's the same thing, what you're doing with your beers. And it's just like, look, this is what I like. This is what I think is really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So yeah. I, I love working with, uh, with like-minded people like that. So, yeah, yeah well, it's also, <laughs> it's also people that conventional wisdom can go away. You know, you're going to do what you want in your heart. And if you, in your heart, you want to do it and you think it's great and you've got a great partnership, you can make anything happen, you know, and we've been lucky to be able to do that as a restaurant with other, you know, with Pechanga Arena and, you know, Levy, they sell fish bowls down there and, you know, branded Cali Comfort fish bowl with San Diego Gulls logo on the back. Like that's, that's unheard of to think of, but if you want to do it and you got great people working on it, you can make really cool things happen Absolutely. that you're really proud of. Yep. Yeah. This beer, <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about this one. Uh, this so, is a little bit bigger. Yeah, seventy nine percent. But okay. uh, you know, I, I feel like the alcohol is very well hidden in it. Uh, started out as uh, the which the is second, scary. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one of our one of our brewers, Brandon, uh, says it's his, his new favorite drug. Not even go. calling it beer because <laughs> man, he, he's you know five gallons at his house lasted all of you know six hours. Is that right? Like that. And, <laughs> Oh man, it's scary drinkable for the strength. Uh, nothing too crazy with it. Um, this was the second half of a collaboration we did with Nickel Beer. So the owner, Tom Nickel, myself, been friends for years. Um, we're doing a beer dinner at O'Brien's in Kearney Mesa. Um, O'Brien's is celebrating 25 years in business. Awesome. So they're doing 25 collaborations. Uh, wow. So two wow. a month, except for one month, they're going to have three. Uh, we're the first. So on the 13th of this month, us and former brewery council had done a collaboration with them before they closed their doors. Uh, so we'll be having I some hard council closed. Yeah. Oh. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, there were some good people. That's on the 13th of this month? 13th of this awesome. month at O'Brien's. Are uh, there tickets? Tickets are available. I'm not sure if it's just at the pub or if you can access their website. But cool. We'll put the information in the show notes for people because this episode will come out on the 11th. So That'd be we'll awesome. love to send people to that party. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a good deal. Uh, so we'll have... This beer, 79 Alpine. Uh, well, they won't be disappointed because that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Appreciate uh, it. Um, we got to use uh, a new hop um, just released commercially uh, late last year uh, with Indie Hops and Oregon State University, their agricultural department and uh, hop breeding program came up with this new hop called Strata, and it is one of the first hops that uh, in the description of its aroma profile says something to the nature of uh, cannabis. <laughs> but what I get from it is more of a kind of fruit bowl, fruity character, like strawberry, guava, pineapple. So is it, it cannabis? Nope. It's not I mean, cannabis. They're, they're, That's just in the description? They're, they're cousins. They're marketing? They're, they're cousins? They're, they're related. <laughs> Second cousin. First not cousins. the same thing. Don't go try to smoke hops. Or anything. It's not going to work. You're just going to get a real bad headache. Yeah. Have you done that? No, I have not. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking from somebody else's personal uh, experience, not go. myself. Uh, 
but yeah, uh, uh, let's see, the Strata hop, and then we used a little bit of New Zealand Cascade. So New Zealand actually took some American hops and started growing them over in New Zealand uh, just for their exceptional soil I'm saying uh, climate. Are they doing it just because they can? I mean, it's, they it's amazing, their, their, uh, their climate over there. It's just... That, and they have no natural known infestations. They have no... So they have no need for herbicides, pesticides, fungicides. Uh, nothing that is going to uh, be detrimental to the crop harvest. Except for weather, which they experienced last year. Hoping that, kind of, that doesn't happen again. Right, that kind of messed up the supply <laughs> for the, the hop. It did. Uh, we were still able to get some, but uh, uh, with, with, with the strata, the New Zealand Cascade came through with this huge pineapple, kind of strawberry-like fruity quality that's not overly fruit. You still get a little bitterness from it, but just nice, clear, <coughs> crisp, and 7.5%, man. It, it'll get after you real quick. Can now... Okay, no, can you tell us just about kind of for people that don't understand how much we care about beer here in San Diego, kind of what has happened in your lifetime with, with beer and what you take pride in? When we first start, opened our doors in 2002, there was probably, there, there was under 15 breweries in San Diego alone. To date, now. One five. One five. Wow. Right. And probably on the lower end of that. So right. maybe just over 10 breweries in San Diego County alone. To date, we have over 150 with several more slated to open. Wow. In, you know, the upcoming months. it's uh, That's incredible growth. Shelf space is uh, uh, becoming a premium. Um, it's no longer uh, growing up in the industry. I, I was always taught this is a, an industry where we rely on cooperative competition. We want to see everybody do well, and it's kind of a, a selfish approach to it, but we don't want to drink bad product. Right. And so anything we could offer to another brewery that may be struggling or just starting out to help them do better, we were able to offer that. We love that. And nowadays, it's a little bit more cutthroat. Nobody wants to give away their secrets. Uh, not mm -hmm. like anybody's doing anything different. You right. know? <laughs> At the end of the day, we're still just making beer. Sure. Same equipment, right. same process, you know, same well, ingredients. One of the things... Just Derek and I, we respect so much the craft beer. I mean, Derek's obviously much deeper in it, but me growing up in San Diego watching it is you guys never, you didn't cannibalize each other. Right. You, you made the industry better by collaborating. Yes. You know, the rising tide lifts all ships. And that's something yeah. that we try to do with our amateur barbecue contests and other barbecue restaurants. It's, it's about a movement and mm. you don't like, there's no reason for Derek and I to compete against each other. Once we started working together, we were able to do so many cool things for the community and for, you know, barbecue on the West Coast that we would never have been able to do had we were just going at it ourselves. Yeah. Right. And so we, we tried to take that same approach, you know, work together. Uh, collaborations are huge. Um, yeah. And we're, we're seeing when you're talking about there's so many breweries in San Diego and mm. shelf space is a, it's a, it's a bitch, right? Because yeah. what we're seeing is that all these breweries are coming out with 15 different SKUs. And it's like, look, I can't fit all those in my, in my shelf. Like right. I, I don't have that much. So you have to kind of pick and choose the ones and, and the ones that, that are, that are doing well. Um, it, it's really what you have to do is just focus on the, the people and the people that you know that want to take care of you and you take care of them and making sure that it's all lined up and it works out well. Yeah. Um, I only have so many doors that I can fit alcohol into and uh, <laughs> we want to make sure that we're, we're putting out the best for the consumers because sure. unfortunately, like you said, it, it's pretty easy to make shitty beer too. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of people are really trying to get 
that wow factor in their, you know, over a hundred IBUs on whatever. And just like, dude, that's, fu- it's not even a balanced beer. I can't even like <laughs> for me personally, I can't even, I don't want that shit. Sure. It becomes know? unenjoyable to drink. And yeah. That's not what we're but looking for. wants to make that, that new thing. Um, but you know, <clears throat> and the people like Alpine that, you know, mm-hmm. really understand you always just make sure that you're, you're taking care of them. <coughs> well, it's also, I mean, it goes, it's shelf space and it's also tap handles, you know, for us being yeah. type 47 on premise, you know, we have so many different beers that are coming at us since 2008 when we opened. And, right. you know, I'm so grateful that Derek stepped in and helped Eric, my general manager, hmm. you know, initially start developing our craft beer program. Once we went from eight taps to 24 taps, because we really cared about having great beer with barbecue, yeah, you know, and then now Corey has taken over, you know, and he really works so hard to find out what, what does our guests want? You know, what are the guests want and what are they looking for? And it goes beyond that because it, it, you have to have not just great beer, but you have to have a great company and you have to have great drivers and you have to have yep. great people that come and take care of the tap lines and you know, that everything works together and then you get something that's amazing. Yeah. They have to care about it every step of the way. Otherwise, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now with your bottom for men and beer that you guys are going to start doing, mm-hmm. um, new equipment. Nope. Same equipment. Same equipment. And you're going to uh, start doing that. You know, I know you guys have done your sours and that have been amazing. Um, <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. You know, those are, messing with bacteria can be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Uh, um, Trying to prevent cross-contamination is always a struggle, but, you know, we've That's what managed. They, I've always heard a, a line that said, if you want to be a brewer, you have to make sure you're a dishwasher first. Yeah. Because absolutely <laughs> making sure, like, all the bacteria is gone. If it, yeah. You know, Britannomyces will fucking invade everything. And, yes. And it'll be a nightmare for you. Yep. Um, so and that's just one of the bacteria that we that we mess around with yeah and, uh, there's some others that are equally or more invasive and uh, really harder to get rid of too <sighs> we didn't want to become an all sour brewery <laughs> right <laughs> thankfully we we've stayed away from that uh you know minor issues throughout the years but mainly we've we've kept them separate i want to start that program again so as soon as we get some wine barrels we're going to get some more beer in those barrels and let them sit and you know uh, our motto has always been the, the beer will tell us when it's ready. Right. We don't force anything. We're, we're not about this, uh, you know, flash in the pan. Hey, we can make a sour beer in 24 hours. Is it going to taste good? Is it right. going to hold up? Is it going to be what the consumer wants? And it might be for that moment, but over the long run, that it's, it's going to be a dying trend. Yeah. You'll see that every once in a while you'll, you'll see people that are making a sour beer. And like you said, the best answer when you say, Hey, when's it going to be ready? You know, when people are like, oh, it's going to be ready in, in a month. Like, oh. Is it? Is it? Like you, <laughs> right? like, like you said, it, it's going to be ready. You can't tell the beer when it's going to be ready. When it's going to be ready. The beer lets uh, you know. Wild fermentation is going to do. She's going to do what she wants to do. Right. So, um, so the lager, when can we expect that? Because that's pretty exciting to me because I've always been a huge, huge fan. So our New Zealand hot pilsner, Emerson, um, should be ready in the next couple of weeks, actually. It's been in the tank for going on five weeks now. Yeah. Wow. So, we start this process early, <laughs> knowing right. it's going to take a while. Um, and with that, uh, w- once we get the beer out of the fermenter, we're going to start all over again right. and probably try another style. I'm really into the Munich Hellas right now. Um, we've got uh, a couple recipes for a Vienna lager. Um, some of these beers that uh, take a little bit more finesse, uh, take a little bit more time, we'll be producing here. 
well, it's it's pretty cool to watch you kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit and try something new and mm-hmm. and, and do that. I'm I'm excited because I'm I mean if I know anything about you it's going to be amazing so it's it's a uh, cool to, to hear that you're doing it and um oh. i want to definitely want to try it excellent yeah how many uh, how many employees do you guys have in the brewery yeah four four right and two of them are part-time okay so myself and scott holst uh, our, our lead brewer um handle most of the day-to-day business scott's doing most of the brewing and what does what your work week look like Lots so of computer every, work. Every, every day is different. <laughs> yeah, every day is different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just kind of managing uh, who needs to do what, when, and how, and if they have the right equipment or ingredients to do so. What do you think your biggest strength is as a as a brewer? Uh, being kind of hands off. Oh, really? Right. Kind of like Elevated. my dad. Um, I, I won't get involved unless somebody something is going wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And luckily, I don't have to get involved too often. So. Well, Scott, Scott's pretty good, man. Yeah. He's pretty amazing. Been a good friend for a really long time. And, uh, you know, I brought him up from uh, being a bartender. uh, Wasn't he a plumber? Yeah. He was a plumber and then he wanted to. He was a plumber and he's been a painter. He's kind of jack of all trades. The guy knows a a lot about a lot of things. So, really good guy to have in the brewery. Hard worker, good family man, good friend. So that's awesome. It, it, it works. Uh, I've had other friends come to work at the brewery that didn't work out that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough employing friends or family. Absolutely. It's always one of those tough things. You got to have standards and you, you can't treat somebody different just because they're a friend <laughs> or a family member. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise the system doesn't work. Exactly. The system doesn't work. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Well, anything, uh, anything you guys have coming up in 2019 that we should know about the new can lineup. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, we're going to have five offerings. So duet windows up HFS picture perfect and late in the year Nelson. Um, they're going to be fucking awesome. Uh, get them while you can. No, we're not going to be making a shit ton of them just enough to keep the consumer happy. Sure. Um, And you know, there may be times when we run out, which isn't really a bad thing. Not that special if you have it all the time, right? Supply and demand for sure. Um, we will have a, a batch of exponential hoppiness or eleven percent triple IPA. Expo. When's that coming out? The weekend before Super Bowl, so February first. I think we'll have it on sale. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you guys just had the great just come out. Yes, it did. How was that? How'd that it turn was- out? fucking amazing was it yeah so, so we did 12 ounce bottles again uh with the help of our friends over at fall brewing we yeah. borrowed their 12 ounce bottling line <laughs> rotted up to alpine ran the beer through it turned out really good uh and then we did a special version of the barley wine with our friends over at mosta coffee yeah uh, so we did their house roast it's a brazilian cold brewed coffee that we dosed into the barley wine and did a, a couple uh I think we did about 10 cases of 12 ounce bottles of the Mostra of the Great, which turned out pretty fantastic. Pretty cool, man. Nice. Pretty cool. Well, we uh, we appreciate you coming on Behind the Smoke. It means a lot to Derek and I to come share your story. And um, I know how incredible your, your beer is, how incredibly hard you guys work to make sure that quality is, you know, utmost of importance and mm-hmm. really looking forward to, you know, the stuff that you guys are doing into the future. Really We're going to send it. everybody to uh, Alpine Beer Company. That's the social handle, yeah? Yes. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook, um, guessing Twitter as well. We'll put that in the show notes. We yeah. do want to give a social shout-out for uh, one of our listeners. Um, we're going to send them a Behind the Smoke 
mug. <laughs> I could have given it to him in person. Uh, he came out. His name is Jake Schultz. He stopped by yesterday um, on Monday. He is a pilot that listens to the podcast. He said he's been listening for about six months. Um, he wants to start his own barbecue business, but he actually flies private jets. And him and his other okay. co-pilot, they landed in San Diego. Um, they were here staying on Pacific Highway, but they made a point to come out to Spring Valley and <coughs> asked our manager if I was around. And we took him around, showed him the shop. And, you know, anybody that's listening to this podcast, we truly appreciate it. Um, that social shout out's going to you. Social handle yeah. smoking underscore pilot. Um, Jake, appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, coming out. And if you guys listen to the show, Derek and I um, are truly grateful. We're fired up for 2019. Hopefully, Derek, uh, you feel a little bit better. Work on it. Appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> Lesser men would have died already. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate <laughs> you stepping up. And um, Sean, cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, we also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you, so please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, get involved, stay curious, and uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.